so it's and I, I basically haven't stopped working the whole day so it's just nice to be home and not have to do anything except for at some point feed myself but i have to do that like all the time so i'm kind of used to it you eat a meal and then a couple hours later you gotta you gotta figure out what your next meal is i think i've yeah. i think i've talked about this before human humans should just be more streamlined i should be able to eat like a fewer meals per day I feel like it could be easier. We're not optimally designed for this. No. That and childbirth, just poor design all around. The fact that you can die during it is like, come on, somebody messed up here. Multiple people can die during it. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. we're like one of the one of the worst mammals for uh, actually breeding or having, having children at least. Yeah, we're not good at it. It's because our heads are too big. That is the reason, yeah. Yeah. And that's why babies are so helpless for so long, as opposed to like baby horses that start running around the same day they're born. Yeah. Baby deer. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Just like start walking immediately. They're good yep. to go. Get going. Really, the topic of this podcast is how we should all be horses. Welcome to episode 312 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hi, Lee. The one, the only. <laughs> Hi, Chris. <laughs> you may be the one and only Lee McLeod. I know that I'm the one and only Chris Castor-Apple in the entire world. So I don't think I'm the only Lee McLeod because I Googled my name at some point and like an old guy popped up. So unless mm -hmm. he hit the dust I, i've got another one <laughs> so today i figure we will you know keep talking about modern because it is still modern rcq season this is the most relevant thing for for my needs at the moment but also the beginning of the two and almost a half month long regionals window has begun we had the first of the Canadian RCs and we had the European RC this weekend. So Pioneer results have started rolling in. So we'll spend a little bit of time looking at those and uh, kind of breaking apart what's going on in that format. But uh, I have been paying a lot more attention to modern lately. Yeah, because RC isn't for another like five and a half years. And yeah. the <laughs> we RCs are modern. It's, it's exactly one dog's age, actually before we have our regional championship is there a, like a median dog i can compare this to or do i just kind of have to guess well it's sort of like you know changes over time as we get closer to the rc it's always one dog's age away okay i played an rcq this weekend i played scam it felt very very good i 4-0'd double drew into the top eight won my quarterfinals, ran into Amulet in my semifinals, and, you know, just had, like, kind of medium draws that didn't pan out. And But I did beat Amulet twice on the day, which is just a thing that happens at RCQs in Central North Carolina. There's just... There are so many Amulet players. So much Amulet all the time. <laughs> it's it's kind of endearing, actually. Yeah, it's... We have this weird identity. I think I told you this story, but when I was walking around the gathering, like the convention that they had a, a few weeks back, a few months back, maybe mm -hmm. a huge event. It was like a 14, 15 round tournament and I'm walking around and round two. So 
round one's already been played and we're just like walking around the top half of the room and there's just like amulet as far as the eye can see it's everywhere <laughs> i'm like convinced it's the most played deck in the entire tournament amazing just repping <laughs> repping our colors but I, I did not play in the RCQ this weekend. I was busy. I, I did show up to the store and hung out for a couple hours, but I had a, the other things to do. I had to leave. I did put a horse in the race. I gave Collins my Hardened Scales deck. And he also rattled off the 4 double draw, lose to Amulet in the quarters. <laughs> <laughs> Though, to be fair, uh, I think Hardened Scales has like a really tough matchup against Amulet. I don't like that matchup at all. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you're mostly happy as Hardened Scales to play against all the fair decks and you really don't want to play against anything that's like really trying to kill you <laughs> yeah the, the more linear the opposing deck is the less valuable your like saga there's a sagas are the less valuable your like the fact that your creatures never actually die is like you, you can't take advantage of the power level of your cards when your opponent's just like you know uh either kill you with a titan or play an oblivion stone into an ulamog or whatever yeah, like it, this is, I think, exemplified to me by the kind of the scale the game goes when you play against hammer scales. Because like in the first three or four turns, usually like the first three, you're just like praying they don't kill you. There's not a lot yeah. you can do about it. You're just like, fingers crossed. Am I dead? Okay. And then like once you hit past turn four and go into turn four, turn five, you're like probably just going to crush them. Mm-hmm. Because they're you like your engines going, and the way Walking Blista interacts with some of the protection spells they have, it's not favorable for them. Yeah, uh, like Surge of Salvation, you can just activate the Ballistas again in response and give her runes. Protection Colors doesn't actually work that well with what they're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, protection uh, keeps something from being attached to the permanent. So if you got to give it protection from Colorless, it cannot have a hammer attached to it. So, like, scales, good against fair, bad against anything, kill you really fast. And amulet is definitely one of those. Yeah, and I, I specifically put two copies of Hidetsugu Consumes All in my sideboard because I think that, uh, although it is a pretty narrow card, I think that the stuff that you lose to is most often stuff like Hardened Scales, which is kind of the only deck that I found myself when my opponent opens on a Scales card. I'm like, oh no, that that sucks. I didn't really want to play against this. Basically every other deck in the format, I'm like, yeah, this is fine. Uh, and so I think having a, a Haymaker card for that matchup was helpful. It's also very good against Hammer, of course, which is another matchup that, that can be tough, especially if your opponent is experienced with the deck. And then just generally, it's one of the best cards against Saga, which is one of the best cards against you when you don't have a Blood Moon in play. So I didn't actually end up using it at all in the RCQ, but it was a nice security blanket to have. And I, I it didn't feel like wasted slots to me. Yeah, it was your Toto. Like, you don't really need that much in a bunch of other matchups, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have my sideboard plans kind of set out, and I, I just, you know, unless you really want to go ham on having a lot of graveyard hate in your sideboard, I think you do have room for a couple of pieces of, of just whatever you want to tech against, like Hidetsuka Consumes All or whatever strikes your fancy. And for the record, the, we, had, we had an Alan on the scene who is... Also, just hanging around the tournament, not playing it. He had qualified in with with the zoo in one of the previous RCQs, <laughs> uh, and he walked around and recorded what everyone was playing because it's something he likes to do. And I don't have the actual document in front of me, but I've I've got a pretty good memory, and I know there were fifty seven players, 
and 12 scam decks. It was the most by far represented at the RCQ. Uh, and then there's like, you know, three amulets and so on. Like maybe four four code controls. Nothing like breached more than four copies except for scam. Yeah. Uh, and Collins was like the only person playing white skins. Yeah, and I think Scales is a good choice when there are 12 scam decks in the room and he beat scam multiple times on his way to the top eight. And unless you have played the matchup before, like if you sit down across from a competent hardened scales player with with Collins scam, had and, only played the deck once before that. Uh, yeah, but Collins playing scales, <laughs> he's good, he's good. you know, he, he's going to play it as well as a lot of people are going to be able to even with practice but play against somebody who understands how the cards work if, if this is your first match playing scam against it like you're gonna lose like you need to sequence perfectly against scales even if you have a good sideboard plan and you have to like understand how all the interactions work and you have to know like what's gonna happen when they what what is my plan when they play a hanger back walker what is my plan when they play a, a walking ballista and if you haven't planned that out uh, it's really easy to just have kind of like sequenced a little bit poorly and leave yourself dead. Yeah, it, it, it can be really tough. But you get those percentage points against all the other decks in the format. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, also the other thing about Scam is like, you know, obviously you have to play it well in order to get all of your percentage points out of it. And every Magic deck is hard to play at the highest level. But you can win a lot of games without playing particularly well with scam, especially at like an RCQ. Yeah, you can do the same with hardened scales because people will just like tap out and not have like clearly not have a free spell, and they're just dead on board, but they don't realize it because it's too spread out and hard to look at all the cards. Yeah, yeah, and as long as you know how the Ozolith works with Arcbound Ravager or whatever, then you will kill them that turn. Yeah, or Agatha Soul Cauldron with any number of cards it's it's really cool on ballista and inkwell nexus that's a, a neat way to get infect damage in i do currently have an agatha's soul cauldron in my sideboard because i like trimmed on my graveyard hate like i because i i don't like ley lines in the scam sideboard which is something that you know we can go a little into the specific builds that i i have a, a scam corner uh bullet point for for the our modern discussion where i just kind of want to give my take on scam builds um but i i'm generally not a fan of leyline of the void in the deck and so uh my graveyard hate is it, it should be just like some combination of like unlicensed hearse and nile spellbomb are probably the best ones but i do have one unlicensed hearse one agatha's soul cauldron right now just because there was like a lot of yawgmoth online and i think it's really cute to board in a soul cauldron against yawgmoth but uh, probably probably not correct. I'm just enjoying it right now. It's it's cute. It, it's pretty awkward when you uh you, you get your sideboard I get a soul collar and then you not dead after all to not get a plus one plus one counter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. But you got Orgish Bowmasters, like you also can yeah, put counters nice. on things like a uh, cauldron generally makes enough plus one plus one counters to sustain itself, so all like entirely my experience at this point playing Agatha Soul Cauldron is in Harden's Gales, and it only gives out like one counter before they lose the game. Yeah, they just die to the ability of Soul Cauldron. Like, yeah, like so. I, I believe you when you say that like it can produce enough plus of counters. I just never needed it to. I've I've played enough like Emery Soul Cauldron decks and like Heliod Soul Cauldron decks that it's like yeah, this generally does does it on its own, even if you don't naturally have that many plus one plus one counters. 
Well, do you want to talk about your scam stuff now while we're just like scamming? Yeah, it yeah. Since since we started, I don't like Leyline of the Void very much. Just to continue on that thought, because I don't think that it's actually what I want to be doing in the mirror. Maybe I play my cards a little bit differently or whatever, but I just find that so many of the games go to top decks and having like three ley lines like when when you draw the ley line in your opening hand and then you never draw one yeah it's great in the mirror it turns off all their scam effects you don't need to worry that like their shieldred or their fury is going to come back when you terminate it like yeah that's great but magic the gathering games don't go according to plan all the time and when you don't have it in your opening hand and then you know that you have three ley lines of the void in your deck that you're just going to draw at some you're going to draw one of them at some point going through the game and like you're just going to have a dead draw step that feeling is like so bad to me that i i, I ended up and i've also just straight up beaten leyline of the void like you know they they play leyline of the void and your hand is like thought sees void walker fable of the mirror breaker and you just don't care about it and you discard your scam effects to the to the fable of the mirror breaker and it's like yeah you spend a whole card on this and now i get to play the whole game knowing that I don't need to use my graveyard. Like, it can definitely be good, but I think, to me, the cost has been too high in the mirrors, and then it's, like, weirdly redundant with Dothy Voidwalker in other matchups where you want graveyard hate, and including, like, weird spots where I have a Leyline and a Voidwalker out, and now I don't get your stuff under my Voidwalker because you you get to exile it to the Leyline instead, which has been really annoying. So I, I haven't liked that as graveyard hate, and it, I haven't really missed the ley lines that I've cut from my sideboard. So I would encourage people to try different types of graveyard hate that, than the ley lines. There is also like a debate about whether Turok is worth a sideboard <laughs> I saw this slot. On Twitter. I think Turok is bad. I've yeah, I've thought it's bad for a long time. It's only good against like four color if they don't do anything, right? And the thing is, it's not even part of what I think your plan should be against four color. Like your deck is capable of just beating four color. Like I think you go toe to toe with four color pretty well uh, and you have really strong starts and you can make their their cards really awkward. And like Tarok is kind of a close your eyes and spray these bullets around the battlefield kind of card. You're just like hoping that this card gets there and it doesn't really work as part of a cohesive plan it also costs four mana including triple black in a matchup where you have a couple of your blood moons in and it is like you hard cast grief a lot in the matchup and then it's so it's competing on curve with this like situation that you find yourself in you also should be bringing in a couple copies of shieldred because that card is really good so you've done a, a really weird thing to your curve if you're bringing in turox and i just i i, I haven't felt it necessary four color also should be running several copies of Fury and probably a couple of Lightning Bolts. So when you get your Turok Lightning Bolted, that's not a good spot for you. And they also can just kind of like tank it with the ring and then it outgrind it. And then it didn't really do any of the stuff that you needed it to do. So I I don't love it. What I do really like is Pithing Needle. I think that that card is just really, really good in the scam sideboard. I think it's really good against four color, mostly for turning off ring, but also for protecting your blood moon from a Boseju if you're playing one of those games. I tried cutting needle from my sideboard to see if I could 
if I felt comfortable without it. And I played like two leagues and was just like, I can't play this deck without two needles in my sideboard. Sure, that makes sense. You're you're the one who trolled me with the like can't put counters on permanence enchantment, right? Yes. That's <laughs> that that's not one that is relevant for for, <laughs> for beating ring. Needle is a, a one mana card that does the thing. Oh uh, no, needles I think just also fantastic in modern right now. Like all the saga decks obviously play a needle, but I think they should typically be like a higher needle count than what they currently are. Like I think um Travis Brown, who plays a lot of hammer, especially on the NRG circuit has like three pithing needles in his sideboard last time I checked, which is like seems aggressive, but the card is really strong right now. Yeah, I I, I think it's just great. Yeah, especially if you're a deck that like Boseju is good against, like Hammer is, and being mm-hmm. able to play it and know, okay, they can't Boseju me now. Like that's a that's you know, an additional application that makes the card better. And when your opponent casts ring and spends a whole turn casting ring and draws one card and then you needle it and now they have an artifact that just deals one to them a turn that's a that's a really good exchange for you mm-hmm. obviously they can kill the your needle at some point but you're putting the problem way down the road yeah until they kill the needle it's not like they can freely draw into an answer with the one ring right exactly it also does help you a little bit against hardened scales, but my experience playing in scales is that you need more than just these like incidental hate cards. You know, the the plan of bringing in like needle and leyline of the void and a little more removal, like it didn't quite add up to enough. And I was mostly just like losing long games to the Ozolith coming into play, and then just like none of my cards really did anything. Let me also tell you a short story about how I once played around a needle and a Dothy Voidwalker. <laughs> I because Dothy Voidwalker is like pretty good in the matchup, like it shuts off your graveyard stuff. And my opponent kept a seven, so I assume they either had that or grief. And so within when they didn't grief me on turn one, I knew they had Voidwalker, so I just put Walking Blister in the graveyard, like for zero, because mm-hmm. I had a Soul Cauldron in my hand. Yeah. And now Needle does Dothy Voidwalker doesn't work because you're always going to have access to Ballista, and you can just kill the Voidwalker. And the Pithing Needle doesn't work either because you can just do whatever creature you have. Like, they can't name Walking Blista and stop all the counters. Right. Right. Best you can do is, like, name the Cauldron, but it doesn't matter because your creatures have natural plus one plus one counters, so you'll you'll be fine. Right. And, and are you just going to, like... <laughs> yeah, whatever. The point is, like, the, the incidental hate cards are, like you were saying, not where it's at. Right, because good scales players will find ways around them. So that's why I needed a hammer, and that's why I put Hidetsuku Consumes all on my sideboard. If you really want to target specifically hardened scales, and you don't really care if the card comes in in any other matchup, then Brotherhood's End is probably the best possible card, because it also kills Ink Moth Nexus, and so the counters can't go anywhere. It doesn't kill the hardened scales, which... Hidetsugu Consumes All does. And also Hidetsugu Consumes All is kind of brutal against Hammer in a way that Brotherhood's End is is not. If you're in the market for that effect, I would go for Hidetsugu's Consume All. I would I would not try to play Brotherhood's End. Like I don't yeah. I don't really care how many hardened scales <laughs> people are in your area. It's, there's never really that many. And except for yeah. if you're like playing Moto on one of the Saturday challenges, I guess. Yeah. The the, the second Saturday challenge this week had an enormous number of scales decks that six scales decks in the top thirty-two and actually outnumbered scam. So in that environment, maybe Brotherhood's end. But it, it, I, I don't I don't think that I will ever pull the trigger on Brotherhood's end in my sideboard. 
we've also been seeing some scam sideboards with two bone crusher giants in the board almost exclusively to bring in in the mirror as basically like fury is the best card in the mirror and bone crusher giant is just like a little baby fury that like kills a void walker and then puts a threat into play which i am sympathetic to the idea and i i do think that finding something to make you better in the mirror is probably worth worth figuring out but bone crusher giant just feels so low impact to me and, and I, I i'm just not i i can't get excited about it i believe it was ari who was talking about this in their discord and I, he he said it in a way i really liked which was it's probably not great but there's not a lot you can do to make your deck that bad with your 14th and 15th sideboard cards yeah yeah it's true so if you if you don't feel like you need like hitetsugu consumes all or something like that and you would rather just patch up your mirror as much as you can then it's probably a a fine choice i know that um jarvis was experimenting with splashing for a couple of sideboard celestial purges and that could also be something you know kills shieldreds and furies in the mirror and that's really good yeah i I did see a couple of people playing mardu mardu scam (laughs) well i think it's it's one godless shrine in the deck or whatever but no, we're going to full commit. I'm calling it Mardu. <laughs> uh, the, the Godless Shrine is pretty costly, though, so you got to be sure that you you want this. And, and Bone Crusher Giant is a pretty like low-cost inclusion. You don't need to do anything to your mana base to get it in there. You don't even really need to do anything to your play that much. Right. Right. You just draw it, and you're like, oh, cool. This kills a, a Bowmaster, and then I can cast it when I have three spare mana. Yeah, this does a thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> it does what it says. Yep. As far as the main deck goes, the main deck is pretty settled for a scam. Like, the only difference is, do I run a 20th land, do, or do I, like, fit a spell in there, or do I run a, a Takanuma as my 20th land? And I don't really like missing my, like, third land drop, so I, I think 20 lands is, is pretty good. And whether you run three Terminates and zero Blood Moons, or two Terminates and one Blood Moon main deck. And there's a lot of no main deck blood moon builds i think that's like okay but boy do i win a weird number of game ones just by spiking the blood moon and getting somebody with it like i i beat a murktide opponent game one by playing blood moon and leaving them with no blue mana like you just kind of get people sometimes so it's it's hard for me to to take off that security blanket it's whatever yeah it's a it's a minimal difference but if you're playing in Raleigh, North Carolina, you do want three Blood Moons in your 75. <laughs> For the Raleigh, North Carolina listeners out there. There's too many amulet decks. I mean, when I when I won my modern RCQ like two seasons ago or whatever, like I played amulet in the finals. Like it, you're just gonna here. Yeah, I'm going to Wilmington, North Carolina this weekend. All right, I'm going to try to uh, for an RCQ there, mm-hmm. which is on the coast. You know, if you, if you don't know where Wilmington is, it's next to the ocean. You yes. can just walk out and touch it. So <laughs> we'll see if that's his amulet dense. I think it actually is because I know a lot of the amulet players that we have around here originated from Wilmington. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. <laughs> are you going to play scales or are you going to play something else? I'll probably play scales. I said I was going to play Yogmoth and I ordered most of the cards, but thanks to some weird shipping whatever... Uh-huh. Uh, I have not got I didn't get all the cards until this week so I haven't practiced or played any 
and I actually think scales is probably a little better than Yawgmoth right now anyway, just because of the scam prevalence. Yep. So probably just going to run scales. I, I agree. I think that scales is a good choice. As long as I can dodge all of the the traps laid for me on the, the Magic Online scales deck lists, which we'll, I'll get into more in, when we like talk about the challenges. Okay, I mean, we can we could get into that now. I mean, we can talk about like, you know, the, the second Saturday challenge like had a lot of scales decks in the top 32, had six scales decks in the top 32, more even. This is like the first challenge that I've seen in months where a uh, scam in the top 32 was outnumbered by something else. Only four scam decks in this top 32, six scales decks, which is, you know, n- nice that not every time is it eight to ten scam decks in the top 32. So uh, let's go to, uh, I'll talk about the scales decks real quick because that's like yeah. leading into the point I was making. Most of them are identical. Like there's not a lot you want to do with the main deck. You, you got your like 20 creatures, 20 to 24 creatures, mm-hmm. and they're just like always the same. And, you know, you have your cauldrons and your ozolith splits, whatever you want to do with those. I have been really liking three Agathosil cauldrons and just one of each of the other ozoliths. Okay. Because every time you play, I, I mentioned this earlier, like every time you play Agatha Soul Culture, the game just ends. So yeah. I felt like I wanted to draw it more often. <laughs> sure. And you can saga for the Ozolith. So, you know, right. you're denser on it than you are of your two mana artifacts. It's also usually a nice timing when you saga it out because you can control when you play the saga. And assuming your opponent doesn't have an answer for the saga, the saga itself. The most common answer to the Ozolith is like Prismatic Ending or mm-hmm. Leyline Binding. So you can just tutor out the the Ozolith and do all your stuff in one turn. Like sure. you, you know you're going to do it three turns after you play the Saga. Or two turns after you play the Saga. And then you're, you you do your stuff and you kill them that turn. And if you don't feel like you can kill them uh, and they have an easy answer to the Ozolith, you can just grab something else. Like a Zabaz or a Welding Jar or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in these lists, I think people are in on Magic Line people are basically playing the same things over and over again uh and trying increasingly weirder cards as like grindy cards uh for instance slater raid in the in 18th place in the modern challenge played scrapyard recombiner it's not the first time i've seen that card either which is a a three mana modular two construct that has tap sack another artifact or sacrifice an artifact you can sacrifice itself uh, and you search your library for a construct card reveal it and put it in your hand so you can grab Basically anything in your deck that isn't a Zabaz or an Archivon Ravager, because those are insects and beasts for whatever reason. They're mm-hmm. not constructs. <laughs> yeah. But you, you get your Ballistas and your Hangerback Walkers. Sure. Yeah. And it's a cool uh, activated ability to put under Agatha's Soul Cauldron and make all of your all your guys able to do that. <laughs> yeah, kind of whatever. I, I don't think that card's very good. Yeah. I mean, would not play so one, one of the weird things is i saw people playing this i saw people like karn cyan Aversa. uh in on the saturday challenge the first saturday challenge mistaken with two ends got second place i believe with hard uh, scales playing four uh steel overseers which yes. is a, a throwback to the old hardened scales list like before patchwork automaton was legal and you could play box opal yeah uh, it was really good in that deck because you you know, you got it out really fast and you just overwhelmed them. Nowadays, you have so many two drops that you don't really do that anymore. Uh, and I I still don't think our, our Steel Overseer is very good. Uh, and I, I looked through Mistaken's Twitter because he was crushing the challenge. 
And he said in a tweet, and I don't know how serious this is, uh, just just got to top eight of the challenge. Don't play Steel Overseer. It's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if we're supposed to play Steel Overseer after Mistaken's lead or if he's sincere about it sucks, but... The, the dream way. of, like, all of your guys are Steel Overseers with Soul Cauldron is, like, you know, obviously that's cool. But, like you keep saying, once you get Cauldron out and you have two creatures out, you generally just win the game anyways. So playing additional cards, like, just to make Cauldron better is probably not making your deck better. Yeah, what I've been doing is I... I just took a page out of Spike's book, which no one else seems to be doing, and just played a couple the One Rings. Spike did have a thing where he was playing for the One Rings and Hardened Skills for a little while, mm-hmm. and I think he did really well in a challenge with it, but I, I tried that out, and it was just too much. Like, you you just, you never actually want to draw your rings all the time. You just yeah. want to draw them when you're done doing stuff. Right. Uh, and especially and since you're a Saga deck as well, like, hitting right. four mana is a little more awkward. Yeah, but I, I've actually been very comfortable playing to the One Rings, and it I watched several of Collins's games while I was at the RCQ, and he ran out of stuff against you know four color or a control deck, played the one ring and just like crushed from there. Like wasn't close. Sure. <laughs> and something like Scrapyard Recombiner or Karn or Steel Overseer is not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Just play the card advantage card that is one of the best cards in the format that like the the format has warped around, and and you'll probably be happier. So were you playing two main deck, or were they sideboard yeah, for... I, I was okay. playing two main deck, and you just side them out when they're not good. Okay. Yeah. Or you don't feel like you need them. Like, I, I keep them in against most things, but if I'm playing against, like, Hammer, or, or not, maybe not Hammer, Amulet, or Yawgmoth, or something like that, where it just doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. It feels weird to say it doesn't matter against Amulet, but, like... It doesn't. That's not what the game is about against Amulet. (laughs) Like, you're not buying a turn and then killing them because they have played their Titan, got Besaju into hand, and now you have to, like, deal with maybe one or two Besajus. And it's like, uh... uh... Right. And, and, (laughs) or if they, like, go off big, then they just, like, Valakut you, and you, you know, they kill all of your stuff. All your guys, and you don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just not good against Amulet as a hardened scales deck, but it it is a good against other decks. So it's it's very strong as like a refuel a fuel tool. Yeah, and I've I've just haven't had reason to to dip into like Karn Cyanivers or Scrapyard or Combiner or whatever. Sure. No, I I think that I accept your opinion that the One Ring is the best grindy card to play in the deck, and yeah. I I know it's a controversial take. <laughs> Like, nobody's stony silencing you, so it's not, like, a liability there. I guess, you know, Karn the Great Creator, but Karn the Great Creator just kind of, like, beats you anyways, so. Yeah, I did see some cool stuff from the modalists, which is playing a sideboard Gem Razor. I told you about this at the RCQ. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Gem Razor is for Karn the Great Creator, if you think that is, like, a thing you want to care about. Because you can, all the Karn decks obviously play artifacts, so the Gem Razor can take out an artifact. But it importantly makes your creature green so you can use it again and you can just like <laughs> attack the Karn for a lot of damage. It has trample too. Yeah. Yeah. That is really cool. I, I don't I'm not going to play one. Uh, Tron is not prevalent around here, and also I don't respect it. Like it I'll lose to it if I play against it sometime some of the time, and that'll be okay. 
Yeah. Just to be clear, because not everybody knows how mutate works. When you put the gem razor and make it the top of, of the stack, the creature is named gem razor and is no longer an artifact anymore. So it can activate its abilities under a Karn. Yeah. And it retains all the plus ones counters. So if you put this on like a two, two walking ballista and you put the gem razor on top, it's a six, six, like base four, four with two counters on it. Yeah. And it still has the walking ballista ability. Uh, it has whatever abilities if you've got physical caution in play. And it's also a green creature, so it's not affected by Karn's shuts off all artifacts passive. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So a, a really clever solution. I, I'm a huge fan of that if you're super worried about Karn. But if there's like a lot of Karns around, I mean, it just depends on what your metagame is, what your sideboard slot situation is. Like, you know, if there's a lot of Karns around, then maybe you're not supposed to be playing Hardened Scales, but you can have a brick glass in case of emergency thing in your sideboard. That's why I have Hidetsugu Consumes All in my sideboard. I also think, like, the thing about Karn decks in Modern, like, if you choose to play Hardened Scales and you know there are Karn decks in the format, mm-hmm. like, generally the Karn decks are not good against you unless they draw the Karn the Great Creator. Yeah. And that I, that's, like, a weakness I'm willing to have. Right, right. Like, Mono Black is not... A, a very good deck against scales like it it gets out out yeah it, it's removal doesn't the removal spells are not that good against scales because they just keep their their board presence doesn't actually go away it just moves to the next thing and and of course we're not talking about tron here because you know tron doesn't exist tron can't hurt you yeah the first saturday challenge was oh no i wrote my notes down in the wrong in correct areas huh? yeah. yeah so so the the first one second, was won by jeskai breach yeah the first one wild. was won by breach yeah kind of wild uh a cool a cool deck list like it's rona and emery with flame of Anor. it's a deck i've seen before I, I might have even linked it to you at one point because it's someone silly put in uh agatha soul cauldron in this deck and it was mm-hmm. cute but not very good this deck does yeah. not play it uh actually kind of impressive because this deck is really 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 bad against scam <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the Flame of Anors are a nod to that, and so you try to play this more, like, fair game and, like, kill their threat and sort of, like, unlock the, the game from there. But certainly, like, the Breach combo plan is not what you're trying to to do. A lot of the the plan in this deck, even the backup plans, are bad against Skim because mm-hmm. they, they Blood Moon your Sagas, which is your, your main backup plan, and then your other backup plan is drawing a bunch of cards, which Orcish Bowmaster is great against. Because you got Rona now in this deck, plus Emery with Mistress of the Bubble and the One Ring. And then yeah. you've got their graveyard locked down and all that stuff with all the discard spells too. It's a it's a really, really tough matchup. Yeah. No, I, I completely believe that. Uh I, I do think that Flame of Anor is definitely good in the matchup, yeah. but certainly not enough to like fix it. It just helps a little bit. Yeah. slapping a slapping a hand on the top of divination's roof you won't believe how many matchups this thing can fix <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah it's it's more of a uh slapping the tape onto the tank of water yeah that, it's that, a flex that's kind tape. of <laughs> a finger in the dam yes we're we're just hoping hoping that we draw both of these against scam <laughs> so we can kill their grief and their fury the other Saturday challenge was won by Domain Zoo. Hell Three yeah. Three Nishiba Brawler, four Wild Nakatl, and then the rest of the deck is like fine. Also, four I, I'm going to call out one thing. Yeah, four Oak Masters is what I wanted to call out because this is 
not new new like people mm-hmm. have obviously splashed for it splashed like they're already playing a black land yeah people have played it before but now you have to it's, play an untapped black land to support it yeah i do you i don't think yeah. this deck does there's an overgrown tomb oh there's an overgrown tomb okay sure i'm relatively medium on zoo but i respect it mm-hmm. i i think with orchestra masters the deck actually strangely got a lot more robust like sure. there's a lot a little bit more play to it than just like play creatures stubborn denial your thing tribal flames you mm-hmm. like it just does more things now yeah and doesn't automatically lose to the one ring which right. is a thing that kind of i mean yeah you have the ability to counter it or lightline binding it or whatever but a one you ring can counter it, play... you can bind it you can make them take damage and then like yeah. try to burn them out but yeah. that's you know r- risky and and bow masters gives you another angle against it and now like yeah you can't even feel that confident casting the one ring against this deck with this many answers to it which is kind of nice actually yeah I, I i don't think zoo's a bad deck at all it feels like you shouldn't be able to get away with a deck in 2023 playing wild mccoddle and nishaba brawler but like kavu draco uh leyline binding and stubborn denial form this like really good package of threats yeah. plus putting you off of what you're trying to do and, and closing the door really fast that i actually think is quite good in the format yeah i i definitely do respect like its ability to do that i think that it's just yeah wild nakato wild nakato and nishaba brawler are so bad that you can find yourself in like really really awkward situations nishaba brawler dying to lightning bolt is atrocious yeah luckily most decks don't play that many lightning bolts hopefully Uh, so uh, the last like i saw a discussion about this when somebody was like does anybody even play lightning bolts anymore and somebody was like 30 38.5% of modern decks in the last like whatever reported tournaments play lightning bolt. So it's still well, sure, but like I'm not afraid of four colors one lightning bolt that that sort of thing. So I do think that the better four color decks have at least have two lightning bolts in them for whatever that's worth. <laughs> it, it, more than one but not four. Yeah. Basically yeah. like and and most decks have... is the worst threat that you have to play to like hit your yeah, thing you're trying to do in your deck. It's not like your A plan or your B plan. Right. <laughs> it's honestly not even your C plan. It's just like a guy that your opponent does have to deal with. And if they don't lightning bolt it, they don't draw it, or they use it on something else, like a Ragavan, yep. uh, it actually will kill them. Well, this or list at least is not... trade with a creature and deal damage. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's true. Yeah, just play Tarmogoyf in this deck that just doesn't put cards in See, its See, Tarmogoyf is so bad in this deck. It's like, really I, bad in this I deck. I made that suggestion, and I was told that Tarmogoyf is unplayable. And I'm like, all right, I, yeah, you're right. It's it's really bad. It's, it's a 2-3 or a 3-4. Like, <laughs> like, when am I going to play Mishra's Bubble to support my Tarmogoyf and be like, have a 3-4, like, ground pounder? Yeah. That actually seems worse than Nishima Brawler to me, <laughs> despite it not dying to Lightning Bolt. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll basically like every time you think about Tarmogoyf and like, yeah, this guy's pretty big. It's because you're playing Thoughtseize and that's how Tarmogoyf gets big. Every deck in modern that has ever tried to play Tarmogoyf that is not a Thoughtseize deck has quickly stopped running Tarmogoyf. Mm-hmm. It could be very cool if your opponent plays a Saga against you in the first few turns, then your Tarmogoyf feels like it's doing its job, but an you didn't actually do anything <laughs> and land an enchantment and possibly an artifact yeah 
Uh, yeah, it's it's not Tart Mergoif. Uh, it just can't be. Like, if they print another Territorial Kavu-esque threat for this deck, I think it'd be very strong. But as, as it stands right now, I do think it's, like, a, a perfectly reasonable deck. I I don't expect people to play it just because it's a type of deck I don't think a lot of people are willing to play if they have modern cards. Like, I feel like people just gravitate towards one extreme, like Murktide, Four Color, or Scam. And the Zoo players are just kind of, like, good old-fashioned folks from the years when Wild Nakata was on the ban list. Yeah. You know? I also will say that the matches that I have played against Zoo as Scam have not felt difficult. And I haven't played a ton against it, so I don't know like what exactly the the matchup percentage is or anything. But, you know, a, a deck that is both vulnerable to getting grief scammed, as most decks are, and then for the entire game is vulnerable to getting fury scammed, and then also Blood Moon is good against them. Like that's a you know that's a rough matchup. Yeah. Oh speaking of Blood Moon is good against uh Zoo as a scam what about the best of both worlds where you're playing a scam deck that's also a domain deck that also loses to blood moon if you weren't going to bring this up then i was going to yep so we've got uh the dak faden special which is beans scam zoo for those of you not in the know dak faden is the name of a twitter user and a planeswalker we're, we're talking about the former I believe he streams as well. So definitely uh, he's doing like kind of a, an aspiring spike adjacent thing, which is just making brews and, and uh, you know, sometimes they work and you know, this deck functions. I love content. Yeah, it's def he, he makes content for sure. Uh, so this is, and it, it like top four to challenge and, you know, some people won some RCQs with it and stuff. It, it, is the scam package and sign of draco territorial kavu and beans and a couple of hitetsuga consumes all in the main deck to try to get your black and red crumb up high enough it okay so you obviously you can win matches with this deck because it's got the scam package in it and territorial kavu as your two drop after the scam package in, it's busted. It's honestly. really good. In a fair number of games, it is better than Voidwalker or Orcish Bowmaster to follow up, you know, Scam Gamma with. It's it's it is it's a nice one. It it kills them really fast and like lets you hit your land drop if you need it or pitch lands to try to find action. Like there it it is doing this thing, which is like disrupt you, play a threat, play another threat. Beans as a follow-up to scam is pretty much the dumbest sequence that I can imagine in modern, yeah, like grief you and then cast beans is like, uh, they're completely at odds with each other and what they're trying to do to the put game. on the pressure. All right, we're going to let off the gas, let's slow <laughs> it down. Let's sl small game. No, 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 no. This is a big game. We're, we're playing uh, a four, three on turn one, taking two cards for hand and also just giving you a turn on the house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, that's not a good use of beans. And so, you know, I, I did play a league with the deck. And basically, whenever you had Grief Scam in your hand and you had Mulliganed, like the first card you would pitch is up the beanstalk. Because it's like, these don't go together at all. But for the games where you, like, didn't come out blazing out the gates and you were just playing, like, a more fair one, you could play it on turn two and then just play this, like, kind of, you know, bad version of four color with, with Fury, Leyline Binding, Agro sign of Draco. Yeah, where you're like pressuring their life total and it's okay. Uh, 
all ultimately I believe that it is just a worse version of scam because you have these hands that are not super cohesive. Scam is also like pretty good at grinding and scam's ability to sideboard into blood moons against decks like amulet is extremely important and removing that ability from your deck and also giving yourself a vulnerability to blood moon out of the scam decks i think ultimately is like too costly and and not what you want to do the deck is very sweet though so i don't fault anybody for playing it yeah it it looks cool i have the same problem that you do and i would just rather people play either scam if they want to scam people which Mm -hmm. i think is the prerequisite if you're trying to play this deck or zoo if you want to play territorial kavu like i think both of those decks are better than this one the territorial kavus in this deck were pretty impressive a territorial copy is a, an it's just a card. good magic card yeah. like if people aren't playing dress down against you yep. it's so strong or blood moon being a one yeah, with a blood, blood moon, moon in play yeah. is is not great <laughs> under uh the old version of the card like like one of the design versions of the card it, instead of exiling a card from the graveyard as an option when it attacked it cast disenchant yeah, so it was only, it was version, only to mystify Oh, okay. Well, that, that that's fine. Whatever. Killing a Blood Moon on attack would, would be really sick, but it does not do that. Yeah. It, it, or it killing would. an Urza Saga on attack? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I would be pretty upset if, like, my opponent played Territory Kavu as d- with the Mystify as its text. Yeah. And then I, like, had two Urza Sagas in hand for my land drops. <laughs> which has happened to me before. Like, sometimes you just draw another Urza Saga. That's your yeah. land. Yep. And yeah, Urza, Urza Saga is good against this type of like both scam and regular zoo and this type of zoo. And that would be a really weird spot. It, it can be kind of slow against other type of zoo, especially since like the Saga decks, like against real zoo. The Saga decks are like either hammer or scales, right? There's no really sure. other Saga decks. And against that hammer, you're, you're trying to kill them before they like put creatures into the battlefield that can actually block your stupid hammer and kill you on the backswing sure yeah that's true like you don't have time to be all grindy with them all the time scales you can but that, that's a different kind of deck true you do get into games where like you know they drew two leyline bindings and you're playing this like super long your control deck. game yeah control deck where you're like threat is your delver is territorial kavu and then you <laughs> you know control their board with tribal flames and leyline binding yeah, I think I think Alan called the deck like, you know, a, a an aggro jund deck, but with zero two for ones in the deck, I don't know that you can call Zoo a, a jund deck. I when Territorial Kavu attacks, it feels like a three for one. You rummage away something bad. It does feel really good, and and there's so few uh, fatal pushes in modern right now that uh, you know it kind of does get to attack a reasonable amount of the time. Well, I'm pro Zoo. I'm never gonna play it, but I sure I like it. I think it's a little silly. I think that, you know, it probably probably isn't going to be the best choice for basically any tournament, but you can certainly beat stuff. And Stubborn Denial is an incredible magic card, and I think enabling Stubborn Denial is like kind of worth a lot of sacrifices. I think Zoo plays a lot of the way I want Rhinos to play. Mm. where you have this cheap threat and a bunch of like interaction sure but unlike rhinos you you get to play the game before turn three you're like not as explosive as rhinos obviously but i don't actually think rhinos is like that strong anywhere i agree i 
you know, so I, I did a stream today where I played matches with Jarvis. He was playing four color. I was playing scam uh, just to kind of like see how to competent players piloting good builds of the deck like what what was the like reality of the matchup um and the reality is like it's pretty close uh and then towards the end we were just kind of like talking about matchup profiles and stuff like that and you know one of my things about scam is like it just doesn't really have any bad matchups like hardened scales is the only deck that when my opponent plays their first makes their first turn play and i'm like oh it scales it's like okay i'm feeling a little nervous about this one like Everything else I'm pretty happy to play against. And somebody asked, like, what about Rhinos? Because that was the deck that, yeah. you know, was did well in the Pro Tour. The whole idea is that it is good against Scam. And yeah, like three mana to make two four fours is a way that you can draw out of getting scammed. Uh, the problem is that Scam is very good. The Scam hands are really strong. And the sideboard plans against Rhinos are so good. And also... Like you're saying, I just don't think Rhinos is a very good deck. I think that it is clunky and awkward, and it's a mid-range deck that folds to hate cards. Like a Chalice in play makes, like especially if they play the Chalice on an awkward turn where you don't get to, like use. Okay, I'll I'll use this Boseju on turn two, so then I can make my Rhinos on turn three. Well, you know, actually, like I I've just played this this chalice for zero mana on a turn where you also need to kill something and then you're not going to be able to do all of these things and make rhinos and now i have an engineered explosives or whatever or and and it's just like the deck is not that good and it doesn't get like it gets weaker as the game goes on and the four fours get less powerful i i just don't think rhinos is a deck that makes sense to play in a, a tournament you're trying to win these days it's it's also suffered by its own success as it usually is mm-hmm. because all the good cards against it are colorless and cost zero mana. Yeah, like EE and Chalice are both zero mana colorless cards. Anyone can play them on any turn. <laughs> yep, and that's a yep. that's a rough way to to interact. Like the Pro Tour was cool because Flame of Anor was like a tech card against that sort of strategy, where if they just like leave an artifact on the battlefield, you kill it and resolve your rhinos. But most of these decks are just doing other stuff you need to interact with too, like killing you, which is yeah. what Scam is doing. Yep. You yeah. can't just like have the luxury of, you know, infinite turns against a chalice on zero. Yeah. And and the the key is that it's not just like that somebody's piling four chalices or four EE. Like putting two chalices and two EEs in your sideboard, it's like, yeah, here's four incredible cards against rhinos. And then they also are great against completely different matchups from each other. So it's a very mm-hmm. like cohesive group of four cards to put in your sideboard. I had a chalice in my sideboard of the scales decks I gave Collins, and I think I just shouldn't have had it in the sideboard at all because mm-hmm. I, I don't actually think it's good against anything I needed to be good against. Yeah. Like I can board it in against rhinos and it'd be fine, but I very comfortable playing against rhinos and not drawing any hate cards in that matchup. Right. Yeah, the, like the they red just put removal big creatures into play, which is also what fours. I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. I, I played a, a game. Collins was playing Rhinos, and I was playing Scales, uh, uh, just a practice game. And at one point, I had played a turn two Hangerback Walker with no Scales in play, just a one one. And it goes to my turn three. Uh, Collins pauses me on my upkeep because he wants to ice because he needs to draw a card. Uh, looks at my board of land, land Hangerback Walker, and it's like. Uh, ice is terrible here 
Uh, I guess I'll... Because Harden Skulls all two drops, right? If I have a third land, I just put a counter on Hanger Park Walker and play a two drop. Mm-hmm. So he's like thinking about if he wants to fire the 1-1 one, one hanger back walker to like which also gives me a thopter and two thopters because i would just make a counter he's like yeah, i'll just ice your guy i've got a draw card so or ice my land i'll get a draw card so i just make a counter put a counter on the hanger back walker play my land play my two drop and then just like my turn was unimpeded it just like yeah. doesn't do anything <laughs> and that was like indicative of just how the matchup goes as a whole like you, your answers just line up so well against them yeah and scales is not the only deck like that 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 particular interaction sure but you just decks have good game plans in modern and if you add any sort of tweak to the matchup like an engineering explosives or a chalice while you're doing your main game plan they have to interact with two different angles of attack yep before they can kill you and none of their cards are cheap so it's tough yeah. to deal with multiple things at once like if, if your school speed's not good against you and it's not cheap and the the, they can't mm-hmm. get out their free spells in time. Like, they just like can't do anything. Yep. Jamestown Caverns, ironically, one of the absolute best cards in that entire deck because it lets you play your cards faster on the draw. Yep. But not enough. And I, I just can't recommend Rhinos. I have not been impressed with it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't play it. I mean, I think that's been true a lot of the time. And some of it has been biased where I don't like that style of deck but i think now it's a lot more justified (laughs) (laughs) yeah any other modern stuff that we want to talk about i don't remember what i wanted to say so i think i'm good on on modern stuff okay and we don't need to go like super super deep into pioneer or anything i just want to like take a quick peek at the rcs behind the curtain um not even like just look at the raw results and and we also do have win rate data for whatever I, it's worth which is I, not I, a lot i dismiss win rate data Same. like i it's cool to look at but it's i don't it's just used for narratives like whatever you want to say for the data like sure yeah like, again if it matches what you want to say data is great if it doesn't the sample size is too low yeah <laughs> uh so Rakdos Sacrifice took down the Canada RC. I think that, yeah, this this one had eight different decks in the top eight. We had Rakdos Sack, Is It Phoenix, Rakdos Mid, Boros Heroic, which is kind of a new, it, not, not a new one on the scene, but has had some new life breathed into it, particularly from Monstrous Rage from Throne of, from Wilds of Eldron. Wilds of Eldraine. Well, that was a tougher than average one for you. Yeah, that took a, took a little bit. And then we've also got Girl Vehicles, Blue White Control, Mono Green, and Incarnation. So uh, basically every possible archetype in the, in the top eight. To go back to Monstrous Rage for a second, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong here, because I have not played any Wildsville during related. Mm-hmm. The monster roll token that it gives gives Trample, right? So it's like yes. plus two, plus zero, oh, and then plus one, plus one Trample. Yeah, and then that plus one, plus one Trample stays on the thing for the next turn's attack. And so, yeah, so that's really good with like 10th District Legionnaire. Yep. And Illuminator Virtuoso. And, and Illuminator Virtuoso. Yeah. Which just, like, can attack for 20 on turn 3, like, without too much work, honestly. That's pretty cool. I, I like that. Yeah, so this deck has been kind of spiking in popularity because of that. Like, it is very good against Mono Green. It, it is tough for Mono Green to stop any of these threats, particularly given that Monstrous Rage just means that they cannot be chump-locked. It 
it definitely suffers some from the resurgence of Phoenix. Phoenix has come back because of, uh, I think, a combination of, of the printing of Sleight of Hand, huge, and also a decent chunk of Rakdos midrange players are playing Rakdos Sacrifice instead. And that matchup is much better for Phoenix than the, like, Graveyard Trespasser, Shieldred, Thoughtseize. Like, you know, that, that, that deck is problematic in a way that Sacrifice simply isn't. You know, the deck that plays a three mana three three that you then get to kill by casting Fiery Impulse on it. I I'm down with that. I I just thought Phoenix. I think I said this while we were going through like Wildswell during preview show that I thought Phoenix would get like a huge power up just mm-hmm. intrinsically from sleight of hand, like yeah. letting it be at least half a turn faster or a full turn more consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. I, I don't think it's going to like dominate Pioneer at this point, but it's no. no surprise to me at all that it's so popular. Yep. And I think that it's a completely defensible choice and did pretty well over the weekend. And you do get the nice bonus of like, yeah, you're pretty good against the the deck of the week in Boros Heroic and you can help keep those down. Uh, somebody pointed out that the I think maybe Kane mentioned it in a chat that like the best card that Heroic can play is a Laguna Band Trailblazer. In order is that to the 04 Phoenix. Heroic? Yeah, because you just can't kill it as Phoenix. <laughs> it's, just, it's just too big. Uh, can't even Lightning Axe, that sucker. It'll, yeah, like one spell will make it outgrow the Lightning Axe, so. Um, but yeah, like quite a mix. And then, you know, if you start looking down past the top eight, the, it's like mostly Phoenix and like Rakdos Sacrifice and then like other a few other things mixed in is, is like what a lot of the format is, at least for the that Toronto RC. Yeah, I'm not, not too surprised by these results. It's Pioneer has not changed a lot since we stopped talking about it on the podcast mm-hmm. a month or so ago just like switching topics that modern or pioneer rather is it it's the same it's it's largely the same yeah a lot of the decks are just kind of archetypes that we played with and against at the last pioneer rc that we played Sl- slight tweaks to them small shifts in the metagame uh mono green definitely is a deck that people are aware of and have plans against and kind of suffers accordingly and we're not super dense on mono green in the it, the top it'll it'll cycle like it always does this is like how pioneer goes like people just load up on all this mono green hate and then people who really just do want any excuse to stop playing mono green and play a fun deck instead stop playing it mm-hmm. and then people stop playing mono green specific hate or switch decks or whatever and then mono green crushes mm-hmm. for like a month or two yeah the the phoenix decks start running ledger shredders and no thing in the ice and then like mono green just you know makes a comeback yeah i guess these these phoenix decks are mostly ledger shredder decks as is but uh, which i think is actually fine like when you your deck speeds up a lot with extra cantrips mm-hmm. it's nice having that, that little extra turn it's also like when you don't have Ledger Shredder, you simply do not have enough discard outlets, and then you have to play, like, Is It Charms or whatever, and your whole <laughs> deck is just, like, worse. Shout out to Is It Charm. The, the last time I played it was in the Lotus Field modern deck with Twiddle, Twiddle uh-huh. Star, and it was surprisingly playable. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought it was going to be the worst card in my deck by far, but it was not. Ooh, what was the worst card in your deck then? Probably the Sleight of Hands. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And then taking a look at the EU, 
Right. The EU one was fantastic because yeah. Samuel Estrati, Pro Tour modern, the first modern Pro Tour winner, Pro yeah. Tour Philadelphia winner uh, with Splinter Twin, played this cool five color deck, uh, which is a pile of cards. And the, the best thing, it's it's a Rona combo deck and also a Luca Copper Coat Outcast combo deck. So you're playing like all two drops. Because that's what Rona lets you do. You're just playing all Kennens and Mana Dorks and all that, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can Luka any of them into Atraxa because you're not playing any threes. And the funniest part about this is I I have known about this deck for a while, like for months. And there's no Pioneer tournaments. So I, I haven't been playing it. I'm very happy with just playing Lotus Field combo. When I was describing this deck to people at the RC, because Samuel was like doing really well. Like I think at the time I was at the tournament, he was like 6-0 and then 7-0 and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I would just like describe the deck as the the Luka deck. People were like, there's no Luka deck in Pioneer. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. It's, so it's a Kinnon deck and a Luka deck. And it's got Rona and Tyvar. And people are like, you, are, you are just... talking about? You're just listing cards. These yeah, aren't these all in the same deck. can't go into a deck together. No, like yeah. you're playing Retraction Helix and Mox Amber and Bring to Light. It's all a and, thing. Like, and a Witch's me. Vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, this deck existed like as a Sultai deck, you know, before this like Luka tech got introduced to it. And it was, you know, Elves and Kinnon and Rona and like Retraction Helix combo and Tyvar and, and, and you know just kind of could make a ton of mana could cast Atraxa. It existed. It mostly seemed like, Oh, this is mono green, but worse, Uh, but like cooler and more fun, but mostly just like doing the same things as mono green, but without like as many backup plans or, or the ways to like backdoor into a ton of mana, like with Nick, those and troll, you didn't quite have access to those sorts of things. But now with the introduction of Luca into the deck, there's like a whole different thing where like, yeah, they, they control your comboing, they disrupt you and stuff. But as long as you have two drop and then you a two drop and you resolve a Luca, you can get an attraction into play. Even if you don't have the two drop, if you just like trade resources and then you play a Luca, you can just start plussing the Luca and drawing creatures. Yeah, this deck has 27 creatures in it uh, because it is a Yorion deck <laughs> on top of everything else. Yeah, it's also a Yorion deck, but... I, I I don't think Yorion even does anything in the deck. It's just like I don't know. It's how a we creature. Cut it's cards. actually really so. Companions are really strong with the Rona combo, and this is something not enough people know because the deck doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things playing the original Rona combo that was important was actually having a companion. Uh, Zerda was the one played in the Soul Tide deck, and if you know your Coria companions, Zerda is not a green, black, or blue card. It's a red, white companion. <laughs> And I played without it, and decks were posted with it. I'm like, why would I play that? And it's because when you're comboing off, you just want a card in hand because you have infinite mana. Mm-hmm. And once you have a card in hand, you can start looting. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So it lets the companion itself is a very good card just to have in a Rona shell. And it does double duty with Luca, where you like, you know, have infinite mana or something. You can just play play Orion, translate gotcha. it into a Traxa or whatever. Here, being 80 cards mostly lets you put the Witch's Vengeance and Unmoored Ego into your deck without having to draw them in most of your games, I guess. <laughs> sure. 
it's honestly to play all the cards you want to play in the main deck like yeah. the, the random sideboard cards or, or whatever that are, exist in the main deck it's just that when you're playing tyvar and luca and karn and atraxa and rona and like kennen you you have a lot of slots spoken for mm-hmm. and you've quickly run out of space <laughs> <laughs> uh good deck building it is also a bring to light deck too if if in case we didn't mention that oh i did don't worry okay yeah, this deck is very cool. Uh, and Estradi won the entire tournament with it. So, yeah. Way to go. Good for him. Yeah. A, a very cool build. I, I'm sure quite difficult to play. And props for sure. Second place deck, Gruel Vehicles. Significantly less exciting. <laughs> I mean, even a broken clock. It does have a brand new card. This is a like super saga heavy version of the deck with four main deck Crone Wars and also four Huntsman's Redemptions from Wilds of Eldrain. This is the three mana one that makes a three three. And then chapter two is you can sacrifice a creature. And then if you do, you search your library for a creature or a basic land card and put it in your hand. And then chapter three deals a million damage because it gives two creatures plus two plus two and trample until end of turn. So as a just a turn two play off of an elf, like this does a ton of work potentially. It also has a cool little interaction because it's a saga. You can float mana with an elf and sack the elf to look for a creature. Yeah. And, and right, you still have that mana in your main phase. And one of the creatures you can search for is Voldar and Thrillseeker, which combines really well with Chapter 3 of the Saga because you gave your creature plus 2 plus 2 and then you put the counter on it and sacrifice it and deals like a billion damage to your opponent and they die immediately. Yeah, it's 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 quite neat. I, I hadn't seen the Huntsman's Redemption because Gruul just like fell off a map, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does seem pretty good in this deck. Yeah, I think it makes... I, I think it really gives the deck... a. a a new angle and a lot more life uh, it makes me much more interested in it i'm kind of it's kind of interesting that the this person uh joseph play, chose to play three love struck beasts that's odd to me but i mean you got to cut a three drop somewhere right like no i will never cut a three drop you've got i'm playing four, land or elves and pioneer <laughs> four huntsman's redemptions four bone crusher giant four reckless storm seeker two voldar and thrill seeker three love struck beast like <laughs> but and, the numbers and the, and the have to redemption but oh yeah I, I, yeah <laughs> like you got to make the numbers make sense somehow uh and also this is the return of, of lotus field combo in this rc there's two in the top eight yep uh this is also a staple of the pioneer rc cycle where you know it's like three percent of the field it gets a couple top eights like averages one top eight a tournament sometimes all up two and, and here they are just normal lotus field combo decks <laughs> Yeah, people both don't talk about with, it. Both these with, with Chandra as as the win condition. Sam yes. played two Chandras. I actually think so. I played a little bit. I don't remember how much I went on the podcast about this because Pioneer kind of died down in on our little talk show. Yeah, but I, I I had also determined Chandra was the place he wanted to be primarily because of spirits. Uh, it's it's actually pretty good against like your deck is bad against spirits. But Chandra mm-hmm. actually gives you outs to beat the deck because it's just a card you can play and get rid of two things. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm down for that. One of the cool... I don't know if good, because I, I haven't played with it yet or seen it, really. Uh, this is relatively recent. Within the last week, like, couple of weeks, people playing Discontinuity in the combo version of Lotus Field. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Discontinuity is the card that you can end the turn with. 
and it costs four less, so it's on your turn. So you can go that you can have the sequence of like uh on your third land, you tap your two mana, you play the lotus field, and instead of sacrificing the your lands, you just discontinuity, so you keep all your lands. So now you have five mana and you need less uh resources to go off on the following turn. It, it's sure. quite quite good. And then you know, late game if you need it for some reason, you can start ending their turn. I don't know how good that is. I haven't played with the card. It feels like the slots are better used elsewhere to me. Like this discontinuity feels like a card that's way better in the fairer Lotus Field decks, like the blue eye control one. Uh, but I again haven't played with it. Not not every Lotus Field deck is playing it. So yeah, your non Lotus Field lands do a lot less in this deck than they do in like blue white Lotus Field control. You know, like they don't super help you combo off. And, you know, they, they make it a little easier to cast one more, like, cantropy spell or whatever as you're trying to get there, but they, they See, don't directly contribute. For me, it's not even, like, is discontinuity bad in the deck? Because I don't think that really matters. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it is probably good. My thing is I don't think it's better than other cards you can play because I feel like the six-mana version of this card is not played very often mm-hmm. because you're a primarily sorcery speed deck. If you're, like, passing with six-mana up, like how what what is your hand like how did that game go <laughs> like what would have happened right like i i would rather be playing you know um voyaging Seder, grid spiral or, or something to help me go off yeah. faster i mean i, I did get it described to me as like it's kind of doing something like a voyaging Seder against the removal decks that like it doesn't die to removal yeah and, but, and but like if i'm doing that i would rather have a grid spiral yeah and and Sam did play a couple copies of Gross Spiral in, in his list, which oh yeah, he did. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but but again, you don't have to go too deep into Lotus Field, even though I like the deck. It's just like a, a staple of Pioneer. You should expect to see it and not really perceive it otherwise. Like it, don't warp your deck around it or anything. It's such a small percentage of the field, and sure, it'll top eight, but might not top eight against you. Um. So I'm looking at this enigmatic incarnation deck. Okay, fifth place. <sighs> yeah, not not the most disciplined creature suite I've ever seen, but you know, it, this is a deck where you get to like have a little fun with it. it. It this is mostly a Bant deck, just like splashing Fable and fires, and like all of the creatures are Bant creatures except for like the one Atroxa. Uh, which, yeah, the mana base is definitely uh, uh, somebody's magnum opus here. I'm but... surprised there's no Cavalier of Dawn in this deck. I- I've always thought that card is extremely cuttable, but every time I talk to a person who plays an Iraq Fires, they're like, no, 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 that's important for a reason XYZ, and no other card really does it. Yeah, it's like, definitely shoot. been a, a thing that's like has beaten me playing against the deck, where like, oh, shoot, the fact that they can get Cavalier here is like a gigantic problem. But, you know. Uh, who, who knows really what what the considerations are for all of this this deck does have a tranquil frill back in it which is oh that card's a excellent start card and no it's not a jumpstart card it's a it aftermath card it's an like aftermath, machines card. aftermath. Okay. you know that like 30 card set everyone okay. forgot about because it didn't sure. have any good cards in it except for nissa yeah but i i do agree that this card is is definitely good in the deck i, I feel super justified about nissa by the way because i was like this card is just fancy lotus cobra it's gonna mm-hmm. not be important very for very long lord of the rings came out immediately dead <laughs> like it's just not very good anymore 
Yeah, we got better card advantage engines. Uh, but Tranquil Frillback is is really strong because you it, it does a lot of things. This is like a modal card, if you don't know what it does, and it's got like gain life, exile graveyard, I think kill an enchantment, kill an artifact or enchantment. Yeah. Uh, it just like does everything you need it to do in your like very mana heavy deck. Yep. And it's on a three drop, which is like your your prime place to put a creature or tutor a creature. Yep. This also is a deck playing. Uh, so so like the way the reason that the creatures are like Bant based, like the mana base has adjusted towards that because now your two drop enchantments are all green. It's Nylia's presence, path to the world tree and up the beanstalk. So you're kind of like adjusted to play those. I think the two main ones are up the beanstalk and path to the world tree. Nylia's presence is always felt pretty bad. I, I would honestly rather see Omen of, Omen of the Sea. That's the one that preordains, right? Yeah, it's fine. There's definitely games where Nylia's presence just because like Leyline Binding and like getting domain and also casting all of your spells can be awkward. And Nylia's presence being in some of your games does does really help there. It's also like both Nylia's presence and Path to the World Tree like guarantee that you can cast a Fable of the Mirror Breaker on the next turn. Well, only only Path to the World Tree does that. <laughs> well. Assuming you have a third land, but like Nylia's presence does make you have red mana. Mm-hmm. It does. I'm not going to nitpick it too much. I have never played this deck and I, I don't want to play a giant mid-range pile. <laughs> <laughs> Even though uh, it is a big mid-range deck, which are the ones I prefer. It, it definitely goes over the top. That is for sure. Uh, what about Rakdos? Because that, that's Rakdos. We talked about Monogreen in the last one. Mm-hmm. Rakdos is mostly nowadays more in the sacrifice era. I, I think the needle has moved back a little bit more toward like I don't know which one is more, but at at one point like sacrifice had like al- almost entirely displaced mid range, and now we're getting closer to even. the The needle has swung back a little bit, and and mid range is more common than it was. Okay, that that's fine. That that makes more sense with Phoenix's popularity too, because the mid range version is a lot better yeah. against it. Yep. And, and there'll be some churn as these RCs continue, but it's kind of weird churn because since this fed from a pioneer season, people are used to the format. Like it's not going to be like anyone qualifying to first standard RC for like from from modern, right? Like it's yeah. not going to be one of those situations. Right. But because of the season timing window, people are currently in the modern season, so they're not really focused on Pioneer. So I'd be interested to see how that bears out as we like continue along the season. Because these are like the only tournaments. These RCs are the only Pioneer tournaments, really. Right. The The challenges are not heavily played, but they, they give some data point. But these are the ones that people are trying in, so I, I think really want to pay attention to them. Which is kind of, you know kind of nice that we get to see like so many weeks of these rcs before ours happens and like don't really need to do much work on the format right now we just like keep see keeping an eye on these tournaments and and then use that to inform decisions down the line not too down the line though because uh, ixlon comes out before too long and the atlanta rc is in december which is the united states rc Jealous of Canada for not the first time in my life. <laughs> well, anything else? A- any other lists you want to talk about or anything else about Pioneer in general? Um, No. I 
No, not really. Most of the lists I want to talk about are like super fringe and not super worth talking about in the first place. Like I, people are still playing the the control Lotus Field deck. Uh, It's gotten a little more popular, especially since you can like fully play it on Arena in Explorer. Oh, sure. Which is not the case with the combo version because there's no hidden strings. (laughs) But I, I still hate that deck. I don't think it's good. Sure. Yeah, no, no strong opinion on my part for it, but I, I'm not likely to ever play that deck for whatever it's worth. No, so I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Pioneer, it, it's there, it's hanging out. Yep, it's not as fun as modern right now. Been enjoying modern. No, yeah, and I, I've been enjoying modern too, despite the fact that I have been playing like exclusively scam. You know, I've been enjoying playing scam. Like my set that I played today against Jarvis, like. All of the games were fun. Maybe the games are a little more fun from the scam side, but I have been enjoying modern at least. That is the cool thing about scam is if you're playing it, you generally are the one on the fun side. <laughs> yes, that's true. You get <laughs> like a lot of the fun equity there. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks everybody so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. Chat, thank you for hanging out. If you want to catch the episode live, uh, we record Tuesday evenings on twitch.tv slash CCR underscore grindcast. I'm also streaming pretty regularly Tuesdays, Thursdays, and on the weekends. Yeah, I, I think that's it for us. But Appreciate not both it. days this weekend, right? Because no, RCs to go to. I RCQs. will be RCQing on Sunday, so I will not mm-hmm. be doing my 7 a.m. Sunday stream as normal. But uh, I'll be I'll be on on Saturday. I don't know if I'll see you at that RCQ because I I have a Friendsgiving that day and I need to cook for it. And it's going to be really hard for me to justify going to an RCQ that's like 40 minutes away from my house yeah. and still needing to like get back and cook something and then bring it somewhere else. That's I don't know how I'm going to like justify that yet, but I'll, you know, I'll figure that out. Are you going to the Wilmington RCQ on Saturday? I, I want to try to, yeah. Yeah, so, so can't cook the day before, so... Well, I don't want to. I would rather it be a little closer to fresh. Yeah, no, just because it's better, you know. Yep, yep. All right. Well, that's it for us. Have a great week. Bye.